Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school, and that is what this podcast is designed to do. To educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only to learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to uh, the show today. So I have a very close friend of mine on the show uh, today to help us around movement, um, Dr. Megan Marie Delegas, um, someone who has been a coach of mine and has really helped me with my movement because those of you who uh, know me well know I move like a rhino and don't move very well at all. So <laughs> Megan is the person that's always like, Jade, you better start moving better and recently I posted a, a photo of myself squatting she's like good job with your <laughs> with your range of motion has gotten much better on the the depth of your squat but the reason why um, I wanted to have you on Megan is because I think that uh, people when they think about movement what they think about is exercise and they don't realize a lot of times that and certainly I didn't until getting some of this education from you they don't realize a lot of times that just moving more doesn't always mean moving better and can sometimes uh, lead to issues. And so um, I wanted to have you want to sort of talk about this and just start answering questions about how people can prepare their bodies for movement, how they can move sort of better overall. And a sort, of course, in my age range, you know, moving up late 40s early 50s it starts to be like you hear about this all the time but it really is true or at least was true for me I never had any pain never had any mobility issues really until I hit around 40 and all of a sudden I don't move as well right and my body aches in certain places and um, you've done a lot of educating me around some of the things I need to be uh, concerned about so I just wanted to have you on to do that for um, for my audience as well so um, welcome, and why don't you just start with letting us all know uh, how you got into this work and a little bit about, because I know all PTs are not created equal. Physical therapists come in many different forms, and you are sort of unique. I would call you, you know, a functional physical therapist. You work in, I don't know if you would call yourself that, by the way, but you are different than I think what most people would think about who, you know, they think about, I get injured and that's the only time I go see a physical therapist. You're a little bit different in that. And so why don't you start with sort of just the overview of how to think about uh, these things and a little bit about your story and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Um, I'm going to try to keep this part concise because I could go off on many tangents, but um Yes, by degree, I'm a physical therapist and more specifically an orthopedic physical therapist. So kind of taking out of any sort of hospital rehab setting in that way, I work with the general population. And uh, I would say 
I like to call myself a more modern physical therapist because uh, a lot of injuries and pain and symptoms of tightness and aches um, are usually related to something more than just, you know, I got hit by a car. In fact, most of the people I see, probably 95% of them don't have a traumatic injury. It's usually something that's kind of developed over time. and. A physical therapist is really just trained to kind of get somebody out of pain, but sometimes the pain experience is very complex with somebody and actually sifting down to the root cause of what's going on is where a lot of PTs actually, um, you know, are not necessarily not skilled to do, they're skilled to determine red flags, but really to determine what's the cause of someone's symptoms and so i tend to work with a lot of people who are either lacking in certain mobility or accessing not enough of their mobility they're feeling really stiff or they're having pain with specific movements um, so my job has always been to kind of look at someone's entire lifestyle not just their movement in their body and see what could be contributing and this is where the functional side comes in and where i think you can and i definitely relate is that there are so many components to somebody's health and energy and efficiency in their body that their pain and their symptoms could be coming from something more holistic or lifestyle related rather than just this is pain that's coming from running too much because cartilage is you know degrading and you know this is what we need to do so i've just come at it at a whole different angle on my own to um to look at things more holistically and actually determine if it's truly an in, in integrity of tissue issue or something deeper. Okay. Yeah, this is great because from my perspective, when you th when we all think about this and we're listening to Megan sort of educate us here, I think that we need to kind of go back and say, look, this is Megan is someone who doesn't work necessarily in the hospital setting where someone breaks a leg and comes in and needs to come back. This, you know, Megan works in a setting where a lot of us are very active and want to stay um, physically active. And so she's finding these things that are keeping us from, uh, you know, staying physically active. Like for myself, I have a lot of mobility and stability issues that have come from just lots of pressing movements, not, a, not enough pulling movements. At least this is the way I, I mean, Megan may correct me on this, but this is the way I see it. It's like I just have a lot of imbalances from the type of exercise that I have done. And I know a lot of you listening to this have some of the same issues. And so I guess let's start. And I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of going to do this selfishly because I'm going to be thinking about myself because, you know, Megan, I have a lot of uh, issues around this now, not in my younger years. A lot of you listening to this don't know that, but I'm going to be a little bit selfish and just kind of uh, walk it through almost from my perspective. But I think most of you listening are going to be able to get it. So I'm someone who does have pain. Okay, so I wake up um, feeling stiff. Oftentimes I have, you know, left knee pain that, that pops up, you know, again and again. I'm not someone who, um, you know, is, you know, doing all the mobility and stability work and like doing other things. I go to the gym. I hit it hard, probably a little too hard for my age now or whatever. But I think that's a perhaps a limiting belief system. And but I end up getting a lot of uh, issues. And so if you were going to coach me or someone like me who's very active, who's able to stay active, I don't have any like really current injuries that keep me out of the gym or keeping me on the couch, but I just don't feel like my body moves well, even to the point where I bent, when I bend down to tie my shoes, I feel like, like I have to like literally stop 
squat down, bend over. You know, it just feels like I'm the tin man or something like that. And so when you're dealing with someone like me or someone is dealing with these sort of just general malaise or general just pain in their body or just not moving well, where is the place that um, you would start or they would start? Is there a way for us to begin assessing ourselves? What is the approach? How should we be um, sort of thinking about this and, and, you know, determining whether we need professional help or not? Yeah, um, that is kind of loaded in the way of like, yeah, you're a functional person, you can move, you can work out, you can do most things in life pretty comfortably, but getting to the nitty gritty of it all, I'm still kind of at that point where you, you're better off just having someone assess you. But if I wanted to kind of give it a, you know, an overarching rule of thumb, a lot of injuries and aches and pains are related to a poor stress to recovery ratio. And we're talking uh, on a tissue level and in a holistic level. So you could be somebody who's incredibly stressed um, emotionally, cognitively at work and on top of stressing your body at the gym and you're not recovering well enough. So you're getting that morning malaise and you're, you know, we have to also look at the other components that go into recovery. It's not just sleep. It's also the food, the nutrition and the water and all that stuff and the type of movement you do day to day. So that's where I usually will start with somebody. So in your case, um, it would kind of just be like, okay, well, let's look at the movement. Like, I, I generally know that you're a healthy person. This is something you, you talk and you preach and you practice regularly, right? And so I know for the most part, you know what you need to do. It doesn't mean that we still, we still shouldn't sift through some of it, you know, scrape the surface. But if we're talking about the movement side of things specifically, um, usually what I like to say, and you might be speaking or asking this selfishly, but you're kind of within a category of people that this could definitely apply to is, um, a lot of people go to the gym with the idea that it is either to burn calories um, or get stronger. I love anybody getting stronger. I am a huge proponent of strength. A lot of people don't do enough of it or even in the right context of it. But there's also the type of strength training. Are you doing it with intention to... Um, this is breaking down intention now. Are we doing it just to build strength, maximum power strength, or are you doing it with intention to improve your function and mobility? And what that might mean for your case is when you're doing all those pushing and pulling movements that you were just describing, are you going through the full range of movement of actually pushing through an entire you know, push through protraction and then a whole retraction type movement so you're actually getting your shoulder blades to squeeze back to get the entire opening of your chest are you actually doing that i would say many times people are not either because they're trying to lift heavier or because they just don't know um, so the idea is that you can be doing really good stuff at the gym but could it probably be better that will help you access your range of motion better yes and then the secondary part is are you recovering well from that um, and there are other ways that we, you know, I would look at that. Some people feel tight because they're not actually rested enough and they're actually weaker versus feeling like they need to stretch. And we've talked about that for you before, too. Yeah. Uh, All right. So let me just read because yeah. uh, there's a lot there. So let me repeat back yeah. to you. You just catch me and correct me yeah. if you feel like I'm, I'm missing something here. So okay. the first thing I heard from you is that for a lot of people like myself, and we're talking about just active people who are dealing with potential issues and aches and pains and general malaise. Mm -hmm. First thing you said, which is something I preach all the time, and I know you and I do talk about this a lot, is the idea of, yes, if you're going to go out there and push in the gym, but you also need to balance that with recovery. So one big thing it sounds like you are doing and pointing mm -hmm. towards is, Jade, 
all of us listening, any of us who are super active, you can't just go out and push, push, push constantly and not recover. And so this has an awful lot to do with the holistic aspects of things of like, what am I eating? How much am I resting between, uh, you know, workouts and that kind of thing? I guess how I'm structuring, you know, um, my uh, my workouts and then sleep and all the other things around that. So that's the first thing that you said that I do want to go into with some of that with you to see what are best practices there. But then the other thing that's really interesting and actually reminded me of something you taught me, which I have been doing. Uh, but I remember one of the things you said is you were like, when even when you walk, you want to like be thinking about like taking full ranges of motion, like a full extension in your leg, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, like thinking about like being conscious of the way you're moving in your gait. Like I tend to walk hunched over. I tend not to like extend fully. I, I'm kind of like I almost, you know, if I watch myself walk or see, I feel like I'm just a rolling ball or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I started doing that because I had some hip pain. And I remember you telling me that and I started getting very particular, mindful about when I'm taking long walks to really like fully extend on, you know, sort of that back leg and feel my hip you know, stretch a little bit. Now, a lot of you listening to this probably wouldn't feel that, but you don't have tight hip flexors. And it really helped not just my, I had a little, never really had much back issues, but one of the major things it helped with is some low back, a little stiffness that I had been having. And so this full range of motion thing is important. Another thing that I remember you pointing out to me, I was, and I still have some shoulder issues, but one of the things that you pointed me to is very light, um, behind the neck presses for full extension and full range of motion of my of my shoulder joint and that has made a really big difference as well the only thing is and this gets into the psychological aspect for people like me is that i the weight has to be so incredibly light for me to do some of these movements correctly which brings me to that point that you made about like some people like me just are always trying to go super heavy but as soon as you start getting specific with some of these movements like yeah. heavy becomes what once was very light. And that was sort of a um, interesting thing for me. And I'll say one more thing um, yeah. and then see if you agree with what I'm saying. The other thing that I've noticed is I, uh, for the last 10 years, I've been doing mostly CrossFit type of stuff. So very ballistic types of movement, very, uh, you know, just get the reps done as fast as you can kind of thing. And I know CrossFit is, is not one thing, depending on the coach. It's very different, but at least for me, I'm one of these guys like, let me just get in and get out. Like, let me just move. Mm-hmm. And um, as I have moved back a little bit more towards bodybuilding, which does tend to focus a little bit more on full range of motion, um, obviously they do some partial reps and burnouts and stuff like that. That also has made a difference. So if I can sum up what you said to begin with, it sounds like, look, we need to balance rest and recovery. That's crucial. Most people aren't doing that. The other thing is we have to be very intentional in the movements that we're doing, really using full ranges of motion to access all of the muscles. And I would assume you would say to address the balance as well. I want to hear a little bit about, like, like does it matter that I'm doing all mostly pushing movements? Should I be balancing that with pulling movements? Like, so if I got that first part right, where do we go from there? So I've got the rest and recovery right. I'm starting to do these full ranges of motion. I'm, I've lightened my weights a little bit in order to do the full range of motion, what, what else, uh, you know, did I miss there or would you be adding on to that in terms of the beginning of this conversation? 
Yeah, it's that's always so loaded, and this is why it's so specific to a person. Um, now, if we're sticking to you a little bit here, uh, we want to, like, if we're just talking about general frameworks, we want two to three intense days a week. You know, even two is great. Intense meaning your subjective, you know, assessment of intensity. Of course, you can get objective. You can wear heart rate monitors. You can count the weights that you're doing and the reps and the sets. But if we're just talking generally for the public here, you want some assessment of high intensity, which is basically like seven, six, seven, eight, nine out of 10, um, you know, subjectively. And you want to do those two to three times a week. You can do any type of movement, if we're talking about generally, within that kind of intensity. And then, you know, in, the, in between, you would do lower intensity. So underneath, you know, below a five out of 10. I like to use that with all my clients. Now, that's to keep general frameworks. Your goal is going to be different than Sally's goal. So Sally might not, she might have plenty of range of motion. Many women do, you know, um, and she might just be someone who we need to work on strength. We need to work on heavier weights. I'm not really caring right now if she goes through perfectly full range of motion. But in your context, I would say you're, you've got the basics. So we're talking about the little details here. The going, dropping down and weight to do that behind the neck press is intentionally very challenging because we are generally weakest at our very end ranges. So that was the one that I picked for you specifically because of your shoulder. That might not be the same for somebody else. So I always like to say rest recovery, then kind of get to an intensity level of you know, six, seven, eight, nine out of 10, a couple times a week. And then any sort of movement that you enjoy, that's lower intensity as well. And then we go into specific goals for you. And that's where I would say it is very hard for someone to know their goals unless they've had that discussion with a professional to sift it out. And I'm not saying it's not possible, but I, there's a lot of lack of clarity now with the way exercise culture is that you just go in, you work out really hard and then you leave and you just burn your calories. But no, it should be that you're going to your strength gym and your workout with an intention to increase and improve your function overall. If we're talking about weight loss and calorie burning, that's your expertise. You know that a lot of that comes from food and diet and all the other st stressors of life. So I'm just focusing on the, the body part. And honestly, that's why I wanted you here, because part of the thing I think that most people listen to my podcast, they're very much like me, right? It's just like exercise is about metabolic conditioning. It's just burn mm -hmm. fat, you know, stimulate yeah. the metabolism, you know, so to speak, make it more yeah. flexible, like burn calories, uh, elicit these hormonal responses. And the thing is, is that it's, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, a computer where you're just running all these software programs constantly and all of a sudden, you limit your memory and the computer crashes. And I think that's what has happened to my body and begins to happen to other people's bodies. And so, you know, a, someone like you is essentially saying, look, we have to uh, really pay attention to the integrity of the body. And I like what you said there because I can imagine, yes, like I am a, a bigger, stronger guy. Actually, one of the interesting things about that is that um, because as I get older, you know, like, you know, you lose some strength. And the goal set is like, do I really need to be squatting 500, 600 pounds now? I mean, it's nice. Do I really need to be benching in the 300s? I don't know. But I would rather, you know, start feeling, you know, much, much, much better uh, as well and be able to do this sort of over uh, the long run. So it's interesting that you were saying someone has got a lot of mobility already then you're going to work on strength. But someone like me who does not have the mobility and has been working only on strength, 
we really need to step back and work on the mobility. Are there other issues there? Like, are, what are the categories there? So I guess I'm a strength guy who needs more mobility. Someone else is someone who's gotten mobility and needs more strength. Are there a limited number of ones, or is it infinite just based on the person? Like, what would you say are the major sort of things that you run into? Like, strong guys like me who just aren't mobile, you know, uh, hypermobile women who aren't strong, or, like, what are the sort of categories that you typically deal with? That's a good question. I would say those are the main two. And then if we're getting kind of a little bit deeper, I will work with people um, on using movement in general for regulating their nervous system. So, for example, someone might say, Meg, when do I stretch? And is it before a workout? Is it after a workout? And I always say, well, what's your intention with stretching? So it's all, you're always going to get that from me. Well, what's your intention? Why do you want to work together? So I like to to prescribe something like stretching as a way to downregulate the nervous system. If someone like me, I tend to run a little on the anxious side, a little bit more high strung. And at night, the best thing, if you struggle with sleep is to do a, what I would call either yin yoga or a gravity stretch where you just hold a stretch for an extended period of time. That is like a subcategory of like, you know, someone who needs to use movement for regulating something else in their body of nervous system wise or to stimulate energy you know someone suffering from a little bit of depression getting something that rev them up a little bit more is actually great now take that aside i would say it's it is usually like okay you're 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 a little weaker but you're generally mobile great we're going to work on strength first and mobility is such a in the industry it's used for various things it's used for flexibility it's used for uh joints and i like to use it from the perspective of joints we are given a certain amount of range of motion at birth and you know every joint is different something like the shoulder and the hip has a lot of mobility inherently where it gets limited is actually based on the muscle system um, and we have some connective tissue like ligaments that keep the shoulder in the joint for example and that keeps it safe but really it's muscle at the end of the at the end of the day if you access your full range of motion it's mostly dictated by muscle so we have to target the muscle so that means either strength training or stability based training at certain ranges that the muscle itself is weakened does that make sense yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And let me ask you just a little bit of the, the science here. So when we talk muscle, like some of the some of the things that um, I feel like I'm just not clear on is yeah. so, you know, muscles obviously innervated by nerves. And so the brain is controlling that neuromuscular sort of uh, connection. And what is what's happening there in terms of if, like if I'm someone like when I move my shoulder joint, and I can't get yeah. my shoulder all the way up without pain. Yeah. Is this, you know, obviously there's a lot perhaps going on, but we're talking about muscle right now. What, what is that that's keeping um, the, the brain or the muscle from accessing certain ranges of motion? Like, why am I in pain in the first place? It's like, is it a, I oftentimes think of the metabolism in the body as like being a protective system. So is, is it protecting us? And does it think that it's doing that? And why is it doing that? And then what is the, if it is doing that, then what's the way to begin to address that? For example, I think it was you who once told me, I said, I'm cramping up in an area. And I think this was you, it may not have been you, but you were like, well, that's the body feeling like it's not um, in a safe place. And so you need to be, you need to teach it to access these places again so it can see that it is safe. And it's something I'm not really clear on. So can you, I don't know if I'm getting even close to what the actual mechanism is, but can you educate us a little bit on what is happening there when the body goes, you know, I'm not giving you that range of motion anymore. I'm going to cause pain 
in a particular range of motion. I'm not necessarily even talking about injury. I don't have injuries. I just can't access certain things. And when I try, I feel certain degrees of pain, whether it's the, you know, a, a really intense stress, whether it's like a pinching sensation in my hip or whatever, or whatever it is. So I'm just curious, is this uh, what is going on? Is this why you talk so much about full range of motion? Is it really about teaching the neuromuscular connection to be safe in those those things and yeah i'll shut up now and see, and let the expert tell me what that <laughs> no, what is actually going on there it's so layered and it's great um i would say yes so for example someone who's feeling chronically tired or a little bit stiff there are if we're taking the rest recovery and all that stuff out of the picture and we're just kind of looking at the muscle system we can argue that from a neuromuscular perspective there is guarding potentially happening some protective mechanism of hey i probably don't feel stable here so i'm either going to limit how much you how often you go there and over time that limit is going to probably also decrease your access to that it, we don't go from being mobile to immobile overnight unless we have a major injury or a kinked neck you know where you kind of just everything spasms up that's protective too but usually that's a gradual thing and i would say it has to do with a relative weakness and weakness is also why we will kind of start to guard up and get really stiff it's it's meant to be protect uh, protective so what i like to tell people is how do we actually let that guard down we approach it gently enough where we're tapping on the boundary of that's challenging but we're not going so far that the body starts to protect even more and that's a sweet spot i always tell clients you know this could be uncomfortable tomorrow you could be sore tomorrow it could make you spasm a little bit if it doesn't great that means we can keep pushing if it does then it's information for us we have to approach this more delicately it's all you want and pain itself as to kind of go on top of that pain is not necessarily minus traumatic injuries pain is not necessarily telling you you have integrity issues at the tissue level it is just telling you there's stimulus here there's something happening here pay attention and that is again very primitive and protective and great what happens in current society is we kind of tend to ignore it sometimes or that's that threshold of pain signaling starts to get a little malfunctioned and it's either signals too early it signals too late and then we either dislocate or uh, that's usually traumatic related or trauma related but there's signaling malfunctioning happening. And again, how we fix that is through that same kind of gentle exposure within a certain range where we can push that boundary and then we can you know, let that guard down and change the stimulus happening at, at the brain nerve level. That makes sense. Okay, so this is, this is then really helpful because it, then it really does seem to be true based on what you're saying is that if some, for someone like me and, and those mm. of you listening to this who have pain it's sounding to me and i don't want to put words in your mouth so correct me if this is wrong but it's sounding to me like okay jade like if you have some of these issues part of the issue is taking a more balanced approach you know making sure you're recovering but also just easing back on the weights a little bit doing you know um uh, increased range of motion and easing into these things so the body can figure it out uh sort of once more and uh so this would be the idea of like, okay, so you can, like, I can do an overhead press with 225 pounds, but I can't lock out and hold it there for a long period of time. And as soon as I try to go behind the neck, which is hard for me in general, 
I have to literally use just the barbell, like 135. I remember the first time you gave me that that thing, and I tried to put 135 on the bar because that's what I did back in my younger days of bodybuilding. And I was like, I can't even do that. Not in the way, because you, you had me doing, I think, very slow, intentional repetitions. Yeah. And I couldn't even, I fatigued so fast. So even the bar at mm-hmm. that point was really tough for me. So it sounds like what you're saying, it's as simple as that, perhaps, it, it, as long as there's not some kind of traumatic injury to regain some of this function. And if that is the case, then what is the best way to do it? Because at least in my case, you gave me this to do at the beginning of my workouts. And it made a pretty big difference even in my strength and performance, like let's say in the military press, which I can do that fine. I can access that range of motion fine. So it was almost like I'm doing this behind the neck press, which I hadn't done in probably 10 years. And now it's translating over to greater strength in my, you know, sort of uh, front press and push press and jerk and those kinds of things. But certainly when I try to go back and access that, that level of function, I couldn't except with very low weight. So is it, is it for someone who's just starting this out as simple as that? Pick something that's going to challenge that range of motion, go very light and begin to consciously you know, mindfully work those movements as, you know, sort of a warm up or are there any other tricks to it? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I, for me, I like to put things in categories of speed. It's my own personal framework uh, of how I like to simplify things for clients. Mm-hmm. Someone who's in acute pain will do very long duration isometric holes or static holds like a plank for their low back spasm. For someone who's just generally trying to access their mobility and build strength and ranges of motion, you can't go fast. We lose, and that's more from a, fo- a, a focus perspective. How It's like going on a balance beam and then you start to lose your balance so you run off. You're using momentum to kind of safeguard from the, the weaknesses that you have. So I like to say to anybody, if it's a squat to get hip range of motion or a shoulder range of motion by pressing, try going at a slower increment of time, anywhere between three to five seconds up. You can even hold it for three to five seconds at the top or the bottom, depending on the movement, and then three to five second down descent so that you are focusing very mindfully on the movement itself. Now that's a very simple way to put it and I would change those ratios depending on the person and if they're experiencing pain. But it also is important that everyone's anatomy is still different. So women tend to be a little bit uh, more mobile. So you're not going to get more range of motion than what your body has inherently given you. So maybe an overhead press behind your back just may be a challenge for you specifically. And it always has since the day you were a kid. And you're just not going to get much more than that. I would say arguably, though, most people can access more than they probably have right now. Um, so it takes someone perhaps like myself or somebody else who can assess the body to tell you your best positioning for some of these movements too. It's not just doing them slow and mindfully. It's also knowing the anatomy of like, okay, you probably need to have your arms out a little bit. You probably need to have your arms a little bit more narrowly and your squat stance should be here and someone else's should be there. So that, that's a factor too. 
Yeah, and I, and I think that's huge because just like we talk yeah. about metabolism is different, you're essentially saying anatomy is a little different and you need a professional to sort of address that. So let's yeah. get into something that I think is um, one of the things you did for me, which was really huge. I remember telling you and you laughed at me because I was like, listen, I don't have time to go into the gym, spend, you know, <laughs> spend an hour warming up, then an hour working out, then an hour cooling down. And yeah. one of the things that you pointed me to is you like, it's really not that complex, right? Like you, I remember you giving me a little bit of like, look, you know, you do your warm up like this and you do your warm up with the, the exercises that you're doing or variations of those. Mm-hmm. And I want to help people sort of understand how this would look. Cause I think when they hear this, they're probably like a lot of people are just like, okay, more shit to worry about in my workout now. Now I got to add all this extra stuff in. Yeah. So, so far in this conversation, we've gotten to this point where it's like, okay, you have your workouts and you said, you know, look, two intense workouts, you know, maybe three during the week. And then on those days in between, you're doing any kind of movement that you enjoy sort of more intentionally and more and more slowly. So let's talk about first these intense workouts. Right. And I assume. You know, in this conversation, I know it's varied and there's a lot that goes on here, which is why we're sort of narrowing in, I guess, on strength training, which I think you would agree is the best way to deal with a lot of the strength issues and mobility issues in the first place. But how would I structure my workout? Let's say if I don't if I have minimum time and let's say I want I don't really want to be in the gym longer than an hour. And, you know, me, you know, I don't really want to be in the gym longer than 30 minutes. You know, like so for me, when I go in there, what would be the way to do this. Like, let's say I'm going to be doing chest and back, or I'm going to be doing a Metcon that's, you know, mostly upper body. How would you say, okay, Jade, so based on that, here's how I want you to warm up, knowing I have shoulder mobility issues and things like that. And here's how I want you to go through your workout. And here's what I might do as a cool down. Like, Walk us through how you'd be thinking about that so it can be efficient for us. So we're not just sitting there doing like a 40 minute warm up. Yes, I look at the end of the day. This is my industry. I respect it and everything. I can't be bothered to be working out that long either. I don't have the time for it or the bandwidth. You know, that's a byproduct of society's fast pace, everything. So I like to be efficient as all hell. Okay, and so that means is if you are doing presses and you're doing some pulls, then we're going to be using those as your warm-up. You know, the industry always says kind of like whatever your sport is, in order to warm up for it, you just do that sport or that activity at lighter intensities and gradually increase the intensity until you're at your working capacity. So if you're doing, you know, presses overhead at 200 pounds, then you're going to warm up with the bar first and you're going to do the presses with the bar. And then you're going to jump up a few, maybe, you know, add 50 or like 20 to 30 pounds. And then you do the same thing. You just work your way up. And that's a great time to work on your mobility because it's lighter. Like you said, you drop the weight. That's a good time to work on the really slow movements, trying to access mindfully the areas that are tight and then go up in weight and know that you're going to you're going to challenge yourself and probably not be able to access that same mobility that you just did at the lighter weight and then you work up to your strength and you know powerlifting or you know uh, crossfit weights that you will do same and thing how many with repetitions would you say i'm sorry to interrupt but like with that would yeah. you say like five slow repetitions at, and gradually working up or would it be the sure. same amount of repetitions you're going to do or does it matter You'll start probably doing like five to 10, you know, depends how fast you're going, um, you know, five slower ones, 10 slightly faster ones at lighter weight. 
Uh, this is just rules of thumb here, as you can tell. I'm not giving you specifics because it's context specific. But as you go up in weight, you're not going to do as many reps. You're not going to just bust out 5 to 10 of 200 if your working max weight is 200 that day. So you're going to go higher volume, lower weight, and slowly go up in those jumps to improve your mobility and just warm up those areas appropriately by going down in total, vol in total reps. Okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. So let's say I'm going to be doing, um, I just want to try to give people, uh, and it's also selfish for me, but I also want to give people context. So let's say in my workout, let's yeah. say I'm going to do something like, I don't know, let's say I'm, I'm a CrossFitter and I'm getting ready to do something like uh, pull-ups. Uh, like one of my favorite workouts, workouts is 10 to 1, clean and press with a pretty heavy weight and uh, pull-ups. Just those two, right? So clean and press, 10 reps, pull-ups, 10 reps. Clean and press nine reps, pull-ups nine reps, all the way down to one. The weight I typically would use for that would be like 185 on the clean and press, and then obviously a body weight pull-up. So a warm-up for that, it's sounding like, I'm just going to guess, and you can correct me here, but like for me, so the warm-up for that would be like what? Like maybe slow deadlifts, um, maybe slow shoulder presses, and then maybe some kind of a slow pull, and then slowly working up. And so maybe... For me, um, you know, I don't know. I would probably, f for time's sake, I'd probably do like, I don't know, maybe three sets of that, five to ten reps, like three sets each of sort of warming up with these lighter weights and then slowly get up to my working weight. So maybe set one would be like just the bar, you know, for the presses and the deadlifts. And then set two might be 135 for the deadlifts mm -hmm. and the presses. And then set three might be maybe 155 for mm -hmm. the presses and the deadlifts. Then, obviously, now I got my 185 on the bar that I'm going to be using for the weights. Now, with pull-ups, yeah. that's tough. So, would I just be doing, you know, um, you know some kind of, like, pull-down like or a bent-over row since pull-ups are a really tough movement in general? Or would I do something like an eccentric, you know, uh, you know pull-up or something like that? Um, yeah. Would that make sense, those choices? Because I feel like, you know, with the clean and press, I'm kind of doing a deadlift anyway. I'm doing that press overhead. And you're saying just make it the warm up. So I'm not really doing things like all these other things, right? I'm just warming up those areas. Now, do you recommend I get on like a bike for five minutes just to get the body warm or something like that? Or, but does that sound about right from that perspective? Yeah, generally, I always like to say do three to five sets bumping up every time until you mm. get uh, to that working weight. Of course, something that's body weight, you're going to maybe change other variables like, you know, the speed at which you pull up or the eccentric descent down, things like that. Um, and yes, with the, the deadlift, the same thing. So the part that's, that is generally missing, and I would say is missing in general with uh, workouts is if you want to kind of be more powerful or recruit more of the muscles, think of muscle recruitment as percentages. You can, you know, if you're lightweight lifting, you're not going to recruit every single muscle fiber in a bicep to lift this water bottle. But if you are lifting a 300 pound something, you're going to recruit everything you got. So that's a whole other discussion on why strength training needs to be catered to a person and their goals. Um, but Adding an explosive type of uh, warm up, like 
many you got to warm up like lightly pedaling on the bike for example to get the nervous system to wake up and get some blood flow in there but doing many sprints is actually an excellent way to wake up the entire nervous system so it's a great oh, way to lift heavier because you're actually waking things up versus going into something cold so i always encourage some variation of you know some some fast movement some explosive movement even really light uh, clean and presses or like yeah. uh, snatches, things like that. You really want to, I don't know if you would always do a snatch. It's a very complex movement. But mm -hmm. anything that's going to be a little speed-based and power explosive-based is, is nice to add in there too before you do okay. anything. So based on that then, so maybe I would go in, do a quick five minutes pedaling or rowing, and then go through some of these, you know, three sets, let's say, of five reps of super slow deadlifts, super slow presses, uh, eccentric pull-ups, and then maybe a couple sets of just very light, clean, explosive cleans and presses. And then mm -hmm. I'm getting ready for my workout. And then would you say five to 10 minutes is enough for that? Or is it just like, okay, Jay, when you feel ready, right? Like, you know, is it just subjective where I'm like, okay, time to go now. My body feels like I've got the range of motion. I feel it. And I tend to know what that feels like. I'm sure a lot of people listening know, like there's some days you just go, okay, my body's feeling really good and loose now. Yeah. And I'm yeah. ready to go. And I guess with me, you would probably more specifically, since you've worked with me, you'd probably say, you know, on the presses, maybe you want to do the behind the neck presses just to access more of that range of motion since you know, you know me. So, so let's pivot now into this idea of what am I doing on the day off then to mm -hmm. right? because, you know, that's the intense day. Now you're saying on these other days where I'm just doing activity, what would you say like for for us if we really want to work on a mobility knowing that I'm someone that needs that, um, what would we be doing in, at that time in general? And I know this is a tough discussion for you to have because it is so you know, dependent on the person and what activities they're doing. But just in general, like, does this mean like you would prefer something like a yoga or just very lightweight training? Or you know, what would be your sort of go-tos for mobility type stuff or to keep the, the body and, and start to really get the body to learn to move better again? Yeah, this is, I love these questions and mm -hmm. conversations because even though it is context dependent, it is just so important to know in intention. Like if you were like, Megan, I just want to be generally fit and I want to feel like I'm kind of getting stronger and I'm moving my body, then CrossFit or high intensity type of workouts a few times a week that really use the full range of motion are great. If you're coming to me for purely, I want to get really, really strong, then I would not recommend CrossFit. That's one thing. And the reason I'm mentioning this now is on your off days, it depends on your goal. If you're someone who's, who is stressed all the time, then I would say I recommend a really nice yoga flow that's not intense and that's guided and that you're also accessing your range of motion and it's going to be really good for you from a mindfulness practice. If, so this is gentle yoga, yin yoga. This isn't like yeah. power yoga, right? Yeah. Yeah, and if you're going to do a power yoga because that's all you got, then you're just going to modify the intensity so that lower intensity, you're still falling within that category of five and under out of ten. So that's why that framework is generally applicable to anything. And the next thing is also, what do you like to do? I always like to tell people who work with me, you know, we're doing these things based on the goals that you and I have discussed in my evaluation of you, but 
I will also prescribe movement for you during the week on the off days based on X, Y, Z. If you love to go dancing, go dancing. If you want to improve your mobility further, then maybe you'll do some really small intentional bodybuilding type of movements. If you have a single-sided weakness on a hip, then that's where you're going to do some accessory work. So it's entirely dependent on you and what your goals are and what we discuss your intentions and goals are. So for someone like me, given I'm a mobility guy, right, you yeah. probably, I'm, I'm guessing, we haven't, you and I actually haven't talked about this on my off days. We talked a little bit about my workout stuff, but yeah. I would imagine doing, actually, maybe you did tell me yoga is probably a really good thing for me. So, but it sounds like based on what you said on those off days, I'm doing something like yoga, you know, a, a very gentle yoga flow. That's a full body flow, trying to access my whole body. Um, yeah. And also then uh, doing very light, full range bodybuilding type of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, sounds like it would be the go-to sort of thing for me. And then mm -hmm. obviously if I have more specific issues, I can uh, sort of begin to address them. And I guess the conversation about what you love, right? I'm not someone who wants to go run, like shoot me, yeah. right? I just do right. not want to go run. But for someone who does want to do that stuff, then you're, you're not, it sounds like you're like, yes, go and do that so long as your subjective intensity is on the low side right so for me there's jogging for me because i'm like i'm a big rhino like jogging for me it doesn't matter what pace i go if i just start jogging that's a 10 for me so it's a lot of yeah. people don't understand it let's like, go for a jog i'm like jog that might feel like a jog for you but for me that feels like a sprint like i won't last five minutes jogging down the street with anybody right it's right. so I, I like the fact that you're drawing our attention to this idea but it doesn't sound like you're opposed to any of that kind of stuff so long as the intensity uh, is less based on the intention that you're trying to do. It's like the two to three days, that's where you're really making those in, you know, intense conditioning jumps based on your intention. And then the other stuff, it sounds like, is just reinforcing that, getting you to move. And it also is uh, you know, sort of goal-oriented, uh, right? Like if you're a healthy person, you're just like, well, yeah, if you want to run and you've got that, you know, and you don't have hip, knees, and other issues, then then do that so it sounds so to me this sounds uh, pretty reasonable let's let's just talk and I, I know we're kind of running up on time and everything but let's talk briefly about cool down so like yeah. is that i never i never do cool downs and everyone always laughs at it because they're like you maybe that's why you know i i am the way i am so do you recommend cool downs and if so what do you recommend like is it okay just for me to like be like i'm done i'm leaving the gym now um or is there something i should be doing briefly as a cool down you know i think it's context oh god it's like repetitive right context, <laughs> uh, i think that's it like the sign everything yeah. who knows it. Yeah. <laughs> um it's I, I look i can talk about all the perfect things in the world and i don't practice cool downs that much um but you're basically just trying to if something's really intense and straining on your body you want to do something that's going to down regulate the nervous system a little bit especially if you're working out at night, especially because you're going to be revved up and you're not going to sleep well, or it's going to take you a while to fall asleep. And not everyone's like that, but I, I, I'm keep it simple. Like go for a walk, go for five, 10 minutes, something that's going to be chill, go for a do some dynamic stretching and then into some static stretching where you're just holding something for a long time or pedal it out. But really the idea is think about what the purpose is. It's to get whatever you just did on your body to kind of, I don't like using the word flush out because what are we flushing out? That's maybe, I mean, we know we're flushing out things, but the idea is really, can we get that nervous system to, to relax a little to bit? To calm down. 
Yeah. So that's a re- that's a really interesting point, Megan. So it's not like from your like a lot of people be like, oh, well, you got to stretch the muscle because it's now all of a sudden tight. And you're saying, well, no, the really important thing here is just calm the whole system down, which yeah. you know does make some sense to me. You know, just from a metabolic perspective, which is sort of my area. Like I'm always yeah. like. It's where I guess is where you and I dovetail because I'm always like best thing to do after uh, you know a workout is go for a nice long walk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other interesting thing, and I don't know, I just want to talk about this, like in terms of soreness, because I know people will ask about this. Like my reading of the research, and you know I'll ask the expert expert here, but my reading of the research, there's lots of things you can do: sauna therapy, cold therapies, things like that, and massage. But my mm-hmm. reading of the research is the thing that is proven to be the most effective is again just more movement mainly walking that that actually has the best effect on delayed onset muscle soreness and everything else so it, not just after the workout perhaps but like that's the best way to get rid of soreness am i right in that or is there other things to think about there yeah no i agree and to be honest i haven't even done a lot of reading on the, the more recent things regarding soreness i just use it as data points really on what someone's baseline is and how much we pushed on them so um, I'm not a performance-specific clinician. I, I will improve someone's overall lifestyle performance, and I will help their injuries and all that stuff. So if we're going to get into some of that, that's definitely more high-level, elite sports performance, and that can be touched upon. But you're right. The idea is movement. Like, movement is king. I, or I like to say movement is queen, really. So the idea is that you movement is the best thing we could absolutely do the problem is when we do different types of movements or too much of certain types of movements and we're not creating a nice harmony in that stress recovery ratio so your your recovery days can absolutely be movement based and i always tell that to my clients um, especially some that have fear around certain movements it's really just about intensity so yeah going for that walk you can also go for a really light swim or you can just you know, go rollerblading. I don't know. It's up to you. It really is a matter of doing the thing that you, it's going to get you moving that you enjoy. Yeah. Well, let me ask you just a few questions. I know people are going to be like, I wish you would have asked her this because yeah. there's some of these things are controversial. What do you think about foam rolling? And, and if you like it, when should it be done? Like, you know, is foam rolling useful? When's it useful? And is it I, I you know, I just like the way it feels. I sometimes oh, yeah. just do it when I wake up in the morning. You know what I mean? But uh, mm-hmm. what do you think about foam rolling and when should it be used? Yeah, I'm very agnostic about most things. I, you can do whatever you want. Um, move. <laughs> so, um, but foam rolling, if you're using it to increase your mobility, first and foremost, it's low on the totem pole. So, but it does change stimulus. It actually will, you know, that pressure on the surface of your skin and the muscles are going to communicate to, to your body. So the way we want to see it is if, if we don't have sensors in our body, we put our hand on the stove and we're gonna just keep our hand on the stove and burn our hand. The idea is that creating some foam rolling practice isn't bad, it's actually going to wake up the nervous system if it actually tells our brain in that something is happening in that area and now we have to respond. So it's probably going to quote unquote wake up the area. It's not gonna necessarily make you more mobile but it might be one of the steps that you do um, in addition to the more effective things, which is higher intensity movement uh, to warm up the body or to increase the weight strategically when you're trying to get more mobility. But it's not the first thing I would do. It's a, it's nice in the evening, too, if you don't feel like you get revved up from it. Some people do. Yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoy just the way it feels personally. Yeah. And it's totally. nice to know. Sometimes I like to do it before before my workout just to kind of get loose. But I just like my favorite time to do it is in in uh you know in the morning you know uh, first thing 
And would you say, I want to talk a little bit about morning routine, because not everybody works out in the morning, but as a physical therapist and sort of, uh, do you recommend that, like for someone like myself or for all of us, should we be waking up in the morning and doing any kind of movement? Or is it just simply like, you know, like, for example, this morning, I haven't done this in forever, and you'll be proud of me, um, but I woke up this morning and went up um, uh, in San Clemente and had this beautiful rooftop deck and did uh, some gentle yoga uh, sort of flow, and it just felt great first thing in the morning. Sometimes I do melt. Other times I do foam rolling. I use a PVC pipe in the morning. I don't always do this, but when I do, I just feel so much better. So, you know, maybe it's just me. Like, I, I imagine I know you, so you're going to be like, well, Jade, if it makes you feel good, do it. But I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> yes. just as general, because I know how you are. You're kind of that way, right? And I'm similar. But just generally for people who want to know as, you know, um, should they be should there be a movement practice uh, in the morning? Like, you know, and by the way, when I do this for people who are listening, I'm one of these people who's just super efficient with stuff. Sometimes it's literally three minutes. Right. Of mm-hmm. just like sometimes I'll do like just two sun salutations. Like other times I'll do like a full 10 minutes. Today I did like 30 minutes. Right. So. But I'm just wondering, what is the importance of that after sleeping all night in whatever positions? Is this something that's important for us or, or not? Yeah, I think it comes down to, you know, what's the pace of life that you're experiencing? How is your body recovering? Do you need, like, you might be someone who just needs a nice warm up and something that's going to wake up the body slowly. Someone yeah. might need, I mean, regardless if you're going to do something intense in the morning, you still need to kind of wake up the body appropriately and kind of prepare it like we were just talking about with warm-ups. I wouldn't say there's any like, specific rule of thumb unless you're, you're out there trying to perform for something specific um, mm-hmm. for you. Um, yeah. Pick what's right for you, what feels good. But if you need to wake up in the morning and you're likely to get the job done and you like intensity in the morning, then that's going to get your body and the cortisol and everything to kind of go uh, elevate and prep you for the day. So, yeah, May, that makes sense. And, you know, I'm, and part of the thing, I think a lot of people just like just get out in the sun and walking first thing in the morning, if you can, is just yes. another great warm up. So that's the best thing is getting the sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. So final final question then is this yeah. goes more into specific issues. Right. So. Um, this is like, how does someone, let's say someone who's listening to us has very specific issues. Like they have, like one of the things I asked you about recently is my father has, um, frozen shoulder on both shoulders. It's been like this for, um, a year. And one of the things that I think is problematic is people, I really feel like I'm always shocked that people don't know about physical therapists. And they think for whatever reason, they think that, Going to a physical therapist means they have had to have been in a car accident or had some really serious injury. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, I'm like, you know, no, these like to me, the best professionals to get us moving better and get us out of pain are physical therapists. Like it, it amazes me that people still are going, well, I'm going to go to my MD or my chiropractor or my ND or something like this. Like from my perspective, all those professionals are wonderful. But for me, I go a good physical therapist, what, what I would refer to as a functional therapist, like yourself, physical therapist, is who you want to go to. There's different types of physical therapists. There's some that deal with just these traumatic injuries. And then yeah. there's those who work with like really helping us just get healthier and move sort of better. So let's say someone's got 
an injury that doesn't require going to the doctor. Like my dad is like, you know, he's not really going to, he's not going to go see an MD because he knows. He's, he's like, what are they going to do for my shoulder? He's asking me who has limited sort of understanding, but there are people listening to this right now who have low back pain, knee pain, ankle pain, shoulder issues, neck stuff that does not require they go to, you know, um, have surgery. Most of these things, I, I think, they're not won't involve that and aren't really necessary. How, where do they start, and what kind of, uh, where do they even find these types of physical therapists that you are? Because I do think, right now in our field, which is why I wanted you on, and like you know the health field, I do think the physical therapy world, the functional physical therapists, are the most. Um, undervalued I really do think group of professionals like they are the ones that can prepare us for movement that can get us back to moving correctly and I do feel like they're just incredibly underutilized I think part of that problem is most people think physical therapy is about people seriously injured in hospitals so how do we actually find like is there a professional organization or something like that or you know that that you know, has points people to directions of working with physical therapists like you. What pointers can we, can you give people? Obviously, they know you now, so a lot of people I hope will be reaching out to you. But like, how do they know and where do they find the type of professional like you that's not like sort of just the, the end all? Like, I just broke a leg now. I need to see a physical therapist. Oh, that's such a loaded question, and I think you can agree that the industry in health is it's it's complex. Uh, I would say, I like to call myself, and I don't think anyone else says it either, more of a modern physical therapist where I, 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 I don't work in the, the insurance network because um, if we're just talking about wellness and improving our you know, longevity, while that is considered healthcare, sometimes that's not covered by insurance. So the model of healthcare is really on injuries and patho- like any sort of pathology, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I'm not surprised that people don't quite know that they can go to a PT when they have just thrown out their back instead of going to the ER. And that's no one's fault other than the way the industry is and the way the healthcare field is in America. Um, In terms of finding someone, A, it's like anything, shop for the person that you connect with, because if you do not, then you're not going to quite get where you are meant to go. And most of the things with specific injuries, or like your father, for example, you know, there's a mindset that needs to change. And this also comes from us and how we deliver information, but you should be creating a practice of movement. And instead of going to the PT and being told you should be coming here two times a week for the next eight weeks is really, no, let's, let's actually create a better lifestyle around movement and modify your movement if you are fit and healthy. And that's what I do with people. I, I work with people long-term. Sometimes I see them at frequency and sometimes I see them once a month. It depends on what their goals are. And so finding someone is not necessarily impossible. I honestly, this is where social media is great. Go to someone's profile, search physical therapy in your area or even in the country and start to follow them. A really good, I would say, modern clinician is going to be someone who looks like a personal trainer, but they are highly skilled in assessing your body. And so now, for example, when I work with someone, I will assess the body and we will do PT-esque style exercise in our session, but it ends up feeling and looking like personal training because that's what it really is. It's just what I call specialized personal training. Um, and it's very catered to a person and their, you know, quote unquote imbalances or pains and things like that. So Instagram's yeah, it's a great funny. 
Honestly. It's funny funny you say that because if people ask me about you and I go, like, honestly, working with her is kind of like working with a personal trainer on steroids. Like, literally, it's it's personal training. You're getting all those benefits, but you're getting way more because you're getting this doctor-level education and very specific to your goal set. Like, and I can give people a little bit of background on what it's like. It's like um, uh, Megan uses an app, so she's going to assess you. And then you're going to be, you know, she's going to basically be creating uh, exercises and workouts for you around your specific needs, right? Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff, like with me, with my shoulders, like I'm getting specific, specifically tailored workouts and stuff like that based on my unique limitations and unique strengths and what we're trying to accomplish. And mm-hmm. I get to say, yes, I did this workout. You know, I did not. Like, Megan knows I'm horrible, so she has to remind me. Like, Jay, what the hell? Did you not up- You didn't upload your thing or whatever it was? But it's a really interesting way of practicing now because it's not something you never have to go see anyone in an office anymore, right? It's completely yeah. virtual. virtual. But yeah. also, what's really interesting about the virtual thing, it, I think a lot of people don't realize this. Like, virtual nowadays is way more hands-on than what hands-on used to be because you have access almost constantly like it's just wonderful it's like here's your workouts oh you did your workout here's some feedback do you have feedback for me oh here's your new workout based on adjustments and oh now let's assess again right so you know okay now we can see you you were assessed like this in the beginning now you're doing this now we tweak things a little bit and it's just this beautiful process that I don't think people really quite understand how powerful this is and the, and how tech has changed. That's why I do like the idea of modern PT because I do think tech has changed this tremendously and it's yeah. it's really uh, it's just really powerful. So obviously that's why I wanted to have you talk you. to my audience. So one, they, they have a good quality person to go to, mm-hmm. but also just get a little bit of background of some of what we're uh, dealing with. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you how they can get in touch with you and then any other things you want to just add any other thoughts or things that you think we missed oh i don't know i'm glad we mentioned that it was virtual i forgot about that um Mm -hmm. but yeah that's that's all virtual so i do do offer consultations for anyone in the in the united states but um you can find me at meganmariept.com which is m-e-g-a-n-m-a-r-i-e-p-t.com or Honestly, Instagram is where I talk to a lot of people. They inquire there, and it's the same yeah. thing. Megan Marie underscore PT. That's a great yeah. place. Yeah. And just so you guys know, Megan is incredibly and, – and, and you also find, like, she has a, an incredible network as well that you'll – she is just incredibly mm-hmm. generous on social media in her education. Um, mm, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just really nice, right, that we can reach. You're like an, you're an excellent teacher and incredibly generous. So it's like and one of the things I love about you is there's nothing that you hold back. Like they're getting a lot, a lot of value, even if they're just following your account over there. So it's uh, MeganMariePT.com and yeah. then MeganMarie underscore PT uh, on social media. Um, what is that, Instagram or is that Facebook as well? Is it just Instagram? Instagram. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm mostly mm-hmm. on Instagram, though. Yeah. So that's totally so, fine. At Megan Marie underscore PT on yeah. uh, Instagram. My friend, awesome. anything else you want to sort of add things that, you know, last words, anything that you feel like we should have uh, covered? No, I mean, other than the fact that um, 
this stuff is important and honestly just being very intentional and finding your intentions behind your movement is so important because you can really learn to love it if you don't already and if you already love it you can be way more effective and efficient based on your goal so like reach out to someone you can reach out to me anytime um, and I can guide you accordingly but do it take care of your body I know that you you value that too Jade so yeah and, and my final thoughts on that are like literally like think about all of us listening to this you know I'm 48 now um, mm. there's many different age groups here my age range for men ranges from like 25 to 45 and with women it's like mm. 35 to 55 but yeah. at least in that 35 to 55 year range for men and women like things just aren't the same anymore and I want to be doing this I've had a, a lot of setbacks lately because I didn't pay attention to this kind of stuff. And I'm wanting to get and I'm still not. Honestly, Megan knows this, I'm still not paying uh, as much attention to it as I need to. But if we want to stay fit and functional and live this lifestyle over the long run, yeah. we have got to pay close attention to the quality of our movement, not just the quantity of our movement. And yeah. that is critically important for all of us. And so we better start paying attention to that. So I appreciate you so much, my friend. Thank you for being on the show. And we will talk to all of you next time. Awesome. Thank you.